Over the next number of weeks, I'm going to be going through some things that are very basic. Larry and I discussed the fact that it would be good to have a new converts class, and I said, why don't I just cover some very basic things for a while during class before we get back into a book of the Bible? And so that's what we're going to begin with today. We're going to start with the question, do I need to be rebaptized? I have been asked this question a number of times over the years. In fact, um, quite regularly, people will come to me and they explain their situation, and then they will say, in light of this, do you think that I need to be rebaptized? Now, I want to say as we begin this lesson, biblically speaking, a person only needs to be baptized one time. And so when we talk about a person being rebaptized, what we mean is their first baptism was not valid, and therefore they are actually being baptized the second time. Sometimes the Church of Christ has been accused of requiring multiple baptisms, and that is not true. We simply teach that baptism must be carried out as it is prescribed in the New Testament. So what I'm going to do is this. I'm going to list six categories of people who need to be, quote, rebaptized, or I should more accurately say baptized again properly according to the New Testament. But before I start to discuss the six categories of people who need to be rebaptized, I want to discuss some things that would not invalidate a person's baptism. Not long ago, there was a story in the news. It was, in fact, uh, this is from Fox News. It said Catholic priests incorrectly performed thousands of baptisms by changing a word, therefore making them invalid. The story goes on to tell, and you can look it up if you want to see the details of it. It said a priest has resigned from the Catholic Church in Phoenix, Arizona, after it was determined that he incorrectly performed thousands of baptisms over a period of decades because he said one word wrong. Father Andres Arango resigned from St. Gregory Catholic Church in Phoenix after it was determined that he used the words, we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, instead of the correct phrase, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They said the issue with using we is that it is not the community that baptizes a person into Christ. Rather, it is he alone who does that, the one presiding over the sacrament. And so it is Jesus Christ who baptizes. The Diocese of Phoenix said that because of his error, all of the baptisms that he had performed until June 17, 2021 are invalid. The diocese told USA Today that Arango performed thousands of baptisms during his time in the priestly function. And the article goes on to say, for those in the Catholic faith, a baptism is a sacrament in which people, typically infants, have water poured over their forehead, which symbolizes purification and admission into the church. They said baptism is a requirement for salvation according to the diocese. And on the um, they put together a Q&A page for those who were concerned about 
their situation so that you can go and you can sort this out. So what they said is thousands of baptisms, mainly babies. And because in his verbal formula he said one word wrong, all of these baptisms were invalid. All right, this is what I want to start with. Things that do not affect a person's baptism is a verbal formula. This article says it was determined that he used the words, we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, instead of I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Friends, the fact of the matter is the Bible does not give a specific word formula that must be followed when baptizing somebody. You know, this uh, distinction between I baptize you and we baptize you is completely absent from the Bible. There's nothing like that. As a matter of fact, the idea of a specific uh, set of words or a verbal formula that must be followed, there's nothing like that. When you go through the different accounts in the Bible related to baptism, what you will find is there's no consistent pattern. If you read Matthew 28, 19, Acts 2, 38, Acts 8, 16, Acts 10, 48, Acts 19, 5, what you will find is a different phraseology every single time. In fact, the Catholic idea that baptism is invalid because uh, a word was wrong, that's just absolute nonsense. Now, in a similar vein, I have heard sometimes people, even in the Lord's Church, they get very concerned about whether the wording of a baptism is right because they will say, well, baptism should be in Jesus' name, not in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I remember baptizing um, more than one person over the years, and they have said to me, would you be sure to say you're baptizing me in Jesus' name? Because in the book of Acts, they baptized in Jesus' name. Don't say the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But the fact of the matter is, they mean exactly the same thing. In Matthew 28 and verse 19, Jesus told his disciples to go out and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, some people say, well, in the book of Acts, baptism was always in Jesus' name. Acts 2.38 says they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. But the fact of the matter is, this is not a verbal formula. When they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, what that means is they were baptized by the authority of Jesus Christ. And the authority of Jesus Christ is the same authority as that of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father gave the message, it was spoken through Jesus Christ, it was delivered through the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, what we have to believe is this. Jesus told his disciples to go out and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they didn't do it. They said, no, we're going to baptize by the authority of Jesus only. That's, that's a ridiculous idea. What they did is exactly what Jesus told them to do. Why? Because these are the same thing. Just last week, I received a question from somebody who asked this. He said, Don, what if at your baptism they don't say, I baptize you for the remission of your sins? Is it still a legitimate baptism? Of course it is, as long as the person understands that it's for the remission of their sins. 
you don't have to say, you don't even have to say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is done more for the sake of the people who are there so that they understand what is being done. But if the person being baptized understands that this is by the authority of Christ, is by the authority of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, it uh, places you into the Lord's church and it's for the remission of your sins, as long as you have that understanding, it is a proper baptism. There is no word formula. So a person should never sit back and say, well, they didn't say Jesus' name or they didn't say for the remission of sins and therefore I need to be baptized again. The Bible doesn't teach anything like that. Here is a second thing. Something else that does not affect or invalidate your baptism is the person who is doing the baptism. The Catholic Church put together this frequently asked questions page to address this situation and one of the questions that's on their page, I went and read through it, it said, um, this particular priest didn't baptize me, but he provided me one of the other sacraments. Do I need to do anything? And the response that was given, the, the answer was, as far as we know, the other sacra sacraments that he conferred are valid. At this time, there is no reason for concern unless you were baptized by Father Andres. So what they were saying is, if he is the one who did your baptism, then it's invalid. There is absolutely nothing in the Bible to indicate that there is emphasis placed on the person who baptized you. I want you to consider the implication of this. They state on their webpage that baptism is necessary for salvation, but that all of the baptisms done by this man are invalid. And they state that everyone baptized by this man needs to be rebaptized. So they say this has been for decades. What if somebody who was baptized by this man has died in the last 20 years? Do you think over the last 20 years, somebody that he baptized has died? I would say the chances are pretty likely of that. They say it's necessary for salvation, but then they find out this man said one word wrong. The baptism is uh, therefore invalidated, and that person loses their salvation. Now, don't get me wrong. We understand there's not salvation in the Catholic Church. I'm just trying to examine their teaching here. The Bible does not base my salvation on the person who is baptizing me. You know, there are some preachers who baptized a person, and then later on, that preacher leaves the faith. Or later on, that uh, you might find out that that preacher who was baptizing someone, he had serious sin in his life. Maybe you find out that preacher was committing fornication and he baptized you. Or maybe you even find out that that preacher had never been baptized himself. Maybe he was not a legitimate Christian. Does that invalidate your baptism? No, none of those things will cause me to be lost. My salvation is not based on the person who is baptizing me. My salvation is based on my repentance, my understanding, my submission, and my obedience. Otherwise, what happens is I obey the Lord with a proper understanding, and then I find out I'm lost because 
of the person who baptized me. He had sin in his life, or he lied about being a Christian, and therefore I'm going to go to hell. The Lord does not hold me responsible for the sins of another person. All right? Here's the next one. They said that, um, this this is a little bit uh, off point, but they said that your baptism affects your marriage. There's nothing like that in the Bible. On their frequently asked question page, they write this, Baptism is the first of three sacraments of initiation. As the entry point to the other sacraments, an invalid baptism therefore invalidates any subsequent sacraments, especially confirmation, marriage, and holy orders, that is the ordination to be a priest. The idea that they are putting forth is this, if your valid what if your baptism wasn't valid then your marriage isn't valid brethren that is absolutely absurd there is nothing that is totally concocted there is nothing like that in the bible i was reading on catholic.com and it said i i i wanted to get some more details where did they get this this is what they said on catholic.com in general marriages between non-catholics of whatever religion are considered valid, but the situation is not as simple as it sounds because there are two kinds of marriages. There's natural, ordinary marriage, and there's supernatural, uh, sacramental marriage. Supernatural marriages exist only between baptized people, so marriages between two Jews or two Muslims are only natural marriages. I dare you to find anything like that in the Bible. There is nothing like that. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, you've got a Christian woman who is married to a non-Christian man. The Bible considers that a valid, legitimate marriage. Same thing in 1 Corinthians 7, 12 through 14. Um, I could go through some more of that, but I'm going to skip on. The point is, number one, a verbal formula is has nothing to do with your baptism. The person baptizing you cannot invalidate your baptism, and your baptism has nothing to do with your marriage. All right. What about those who do need to be rebaptized? I want to suggest six categories to you. Number one, those who are baptized for the wrong reason need to be rebaptized or properly baptized. Now, what are some wrong reasons that a person might be baptized? One would be peer pressure. You know, sometimes young people will go to Bible camp. That's why I've got the the picture here of uh, church camp. They go to Bible camp, and what happens is one of their peers is baptized, maybe their best friend, and so because of that, they're baptized. Well, that's not a legitimate reason to be baptized. You know, when the Ethiopian eunuch requested to be baptized in Acts 8, 37, um, Philip responded this way, if you believe with all of your heart, you may be. If a person doesn't really believe with all of his heart, but he's baptized because his friend was, that's not legitimate. Mark 16, 16, Jesus said a man must believe in order to be baptized. A person's baptism stems from belief within his heart, not because somebody else did it. A second improper improper reason, in fact, let me throw it out to you. What, can you think of another improper reason, something that might motivate somebody to be baptized? 
that's not a legitimate reason. What's that? To join a church. church? Yes, some people have the idea, I'm going to join a church. Um, Josh? Okay, sometimes it has to do with, I want to be with this person. Maybe my, my spouse is a Christian, or maybe I want to marry this person. I want them to be my spouse, and I know that she won't marry a man who's not a Christian. And so I'm going to be baptized just so she'll marry me. Would that be a legitimate baptism? That would not be a legitimate reason to be baptized, although I think that has happened many times. In fact, I know it's happened because I've had people that have come to me over the years, and they have said to me, I was baptized because I wanted to marry her, and I started coming to church with her, and over the years I've sat and listened, and I've learned the truth, and I want to be rebaptized legitimately. So I know that's happened. Uh, I could have guessed that it's happened, but I know it's happened because I've experienced it. So a person who's baptized for the wrong reason needs to be rebaptized or properly baptized. All right, here's a second one. A person who was baptized but did not have a proper understanding of the gospel needs to be rebaptized or properly baptized. Before a person is baptized into Christ, there are certain things that he needs to know and he needs to understand. These would include, he needs to understand the fact that he's lost and he is destined to hell because of his sins, Romans 3.23. He needs to understand that Jesus is the Son of God. That means that he is deity. He is God who came in the flesh. He needs to understand the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ, and he needs to understand the church, that when Jesus died, his, he purchased the church with his blood, and salvation is only found in that one body. We find in Acts chapter 12, Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and he taught them the name of Jesus Christ and the kingdom. What's the kingdom? the church. He taught them about the church, and then they were baptized, both men and women. Over the years, I've had many people who have come to me expressing that they were baptized at a very young age, and, and they've said, you know, I really didn't understand those, those things at that time, and they were baptized again. In fact, when I was baptized, I was 11 years old. I studied with the preacher, and as I got older, it started eating at me, and I thought, I was 11 years old. Could I have really understood what I was doing? So I called the preacher, and I said, you know, I'm having doubts about this. And he said, Don, I studied with you. I am confident that you knew what you were doing. And I said, okay. And that put my mind at ease, and years passed, and it just kept eating at me. And I thought, you know, I, I just don't want to have doubts about my salvation. And at that point, I was already preaching at that point, and I thought, I just can't have doubts about this. I called my father-in-law, and I said, would you baptize me again? And he said, sure, I'll meet you at the church building. And I told Sherry, I'm going to go up there and have your dad baptize me. And she said, I want him to baptize me too. She was baptized when she was really young as well. And so we went to the building, and Sherry's dad baptized both of us, and it put my mind at ease, and I've never had to think about it again. In fact, I tell people, 
if you've got doubts about your salvation, 1 John 5.13 says that we can know that we have eternal life. If you've got doubts about your baptism, that's easy to fix. We've got a baptistry and we've got water. Don't go around doubting your baptism. I received a call from a fella not long back. He'd been baptized, but he told me that he believed that he was saved at the point that he accepted Jesus into his heart. And he said sometime later he was baptized. I always stress to people that a person can't be taught wrong and baptized right. If a person was taught that he's saved prior to baptism, then he really didn't understand why he was being baptized. You can't be taught wrong and baptized right. If you don't have a proper understanding of baptism, then your baptism is useless. I, I usually illustrate it this way. I, I say, if you stop some, if I were to stop some people coming down uh, Dixie here, and I said to him, I will give you a hundred dollar bill if you will say that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. It's possible that I would have somebody out here. In fact, I saw a person walking around here, uh, behind the building here. They look like they're a Muslim. If I stopped a Muslim and I said, I'll give you $100 if you will say Jesus Christ is the Son of God. If they were to say, I don't really know who Jesus Christ is. And I said, doesn't matter, I'll give you 1000 if you'll just let me dunk you underwater. You think I'd have any takers? Yeah, I'd probably have some takers. Would it do them any good? It wouldn't do them any good. Why would it not do them any good? If you don't understand what you're doing, then it'd also be for the wrong reason, wouldn't it? <laughs> if, if you're going to get $100. But if they don't understand what they're doing, the confession doesn't do them any good. Well, the same thing is true of baptism. If I were to stop some people and say, I'm going to give you $100 to say you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and they say it, and I give them $100, that confession doesn't do them any good. If I say I'm going to give you $100 to baptize you, and they're baptized just for the $100, but they don't understand what they're doing, the confession's no good, the baptism is no good. You have to understand what you're doing and the point of it. All right. So a person who doesn't have a proper understanding, their baptism doesn't do them any good. All right. A person who is baptized in a denomination needs to be rebaptized or properly baptized. In the years that I have been preaching, I've seen this issue come up in two ways. Number one, I'll be studying with someone who comes to understand the truth, and they say, I want to be a member of the Lord's church but they don't want to be baptized again because they say that they had previously been baptized in a denomination. Or number two, someone will show up desiring to place membership in the Lord's church. They'll say, I want to be a member of the Cookville Church of Christ or whatever. And typically, in fact, always when the elders meet with someone, we ask them, were you baptized into the Lord's church with the proper understanding for the remission of your sins? Sometimes people will respond, I was baptized in such and such denomination. But they will insist that we just accept that. For an individual to be scripturally baptized, they must understand that baptism is for the remission of their sins. Acts 2.38 
They must understand that baptism is the point at which God washes their sins in the blood of Christ, Romans 6, 3, and 4, and they must understand that baptism is necessary to save them, Mark 16, 16. If a person doesn't have that proper understanding for the purpose of baptism when he's immersed, that baptism doesn't do him any good. Again, back to the previous point, a person can't be, be taught wrong and baptized right. Now, here's the problem. Virtually every denomination that I have ever encountered teaches that you're saved, even those that practice baptism, they teach that you are saved first and you're baptized later. Most teach that a person is saved at the point of prayer, they're saved at the point of faith only, and then they're baptized later as a show to other people, as an outward sign of an inward faith, or some say an inward grace. Anyone who has been baptized with such an understanding has not been scripturally baptized. Again, can't be taught wrong and baptized right. If you believe you were saved prior to being baptized, that is not a scriptural baptism. In the Bible, we are taught that the blood of Jesus Christ is applied to us at the point of baptism. And so if you believe you were saved prior to baptism, you're believing that you were saved prior to the blood of Christ being applied to you. Furthermore, New Testament baptism is what places a person into the body of Christ. Uh, Galatians 3.27 says we are baptized into Christ. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 13 says we're baptized into Christ. But what if a person does, doesn't understand that? What if a person is baptized and they are thinking one church is just as good as another? What if a person is baptized not knowing what the body of Christ is? Can a person properly be baptized into the body of Christ if he doesn't know what the body of Christ is? Once again, you can't be taught wrong and baptized right. For a person to be baptized properly according to the New Testament... Uh, he must understand that baptism for the remission of sins, it puts him into the body of Christ, Acts 2.38, Galatians 3.27, and that the church is not a denomination, the idea that one church is just as good as another. And so a person who is baptized in a denomination needs to be baptized again, but properly. Uh, Monty? That's right. That's right. And so the idea that one body is just as good as another is going to be problematic. You wouldn't have a proper understanding. All right. Uh, here is the next one. If a person was baptized as a baby, he needs to be rebaptized. What's that? Yeah, a baby can't believe. Now, this article that I started with. It said, for those in the Catholic faith, baptism is a sacrament in which people, typically babies, have water poured over their foreheads, which symbolizes purification and admission to the church. First, why do they baptize babies? Anybody know? Why does the Catholic Church baptize babies? 
Okay, yes, that that's right. They believe, in fact, simplycatholic.com says because babies are born with original sin, they need baptism to cleanse them. Original sin refers to the sin of Adam, and they believe that Adam's sin is passed on to every human being, and so a baby needs to be baptized to cleanse him of that sin. But the Bible specifically says man cannot inherit the sin of his father. Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse 20 says, The soul that sins, it shall die. The son shall not bear the guilt of the father, neither shall the father bear the guilt of the son. The righteous, the righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him. The wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. Matthew 18 and verse 3, do you remember what Jesus said? He said, a child in his midst, in the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, except you be, be become converted and become as a little child, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. And in the Bible, there's no examples of a baby ever being baptized because a baby doesn't need to be baptized. Babies are innocent. And, as was already stated, they wouldn't be qualified to be baptized because in order to be baptized, Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. A baby can't believe. Can a baby confess? A baby can't confess. Can a baby repent? A baby can't repent. Doesn't have anything to repent of. So all of the prerequisites to baptism, a baby can't do. All right? Here is the next one. Uh-huh. Um, I know some churches, um, they will baptize a baby and then they'll have You know, I don't know if they, they all do because there's such a variance of, of these things. I suspect some do and some don't. Uh, since there's 43,000 uh, Christian denominations in the world today, there, th there's just no telling. Uh, there are some who practice baby dedications, and um, they will simply say, we're dedicating this baby to the Lord. Um, there's nothing wrong with saying, I'm going to dedicate my baby to the Lord, but you don't see any kind of ceremony like that in the Bible. You certainly don't see the baptism of babies in the Bible. So um, it's something without scriptural authority. All right, number five, a person who was not immersed in water needs to be baptized. Um, New Testament baptism is immersion in water. That's what the word baptize means. It means immersion. Now, this article that I just read about them baptizing babies, did you know what they said? Did you notice what they said about the babies? What did they say about their baptism? Pouring water over their heads. Pouring water over your head is not baptism. Baptism by pouring is a contradiction. Uh, did I see a hand pop up back there? No? Okay. Baptism is actually a transliterated word. Now, a translated word means we take a word in one language and we just tell you what it means in another. If you're going to translate the word baptizo, what you would do is the, trans, the translation is immersion. If you're going to transliterate, what you do is you take the letters in Greek and you make the equivalent 
in another language. So you've got beta and we've got B, you've got alpha, you've got A, and so forth, and you create a new word. Baptism is actually a transliterated word. It comes from the Greek word baptizo. According to Thayer's Greek lexicon, baptizo means to dip, to emerge, or to submerge. In its original connotation, it meant it never meant anything except to be completely covered. Now, to baptize in water means to be completely covered in water. Baptism is not a word that means to to put one into water. The word baptism simply means to cover someone in something or to immerse someone in something. So baptism in the Holy Spirit was to be completely immersed, to to be completely overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. Baptism in water was to be completely immersed in water. Romans 6, 3, and 4 says that we are buried with Christ in baptism. What do we learn about baptism in that verse? If you're buried in Christ, it is... can, Can you bury someone by pouring some dirt over their head? Would you like to have one of your loved ones buried and they take them out, lay them on the ground, just pour some pour some dirt on their head and say, all right, they're buried. That's not how it works. To be buried, you're going to be put in the ground and completely covered. To be buried in baptism is to be completely immersed. John chapter 3 and verse 23 says that John was baptizing near Salem. The Bible says, quote, because there was much water there. What's the point? It takes a lot of water to baptize somebody. Now, if you're going to sprinkle water or pour water on their head, that doesn't really take a lot of water. In the account of the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8, It is beautifully illustrated because Acts 8.38 says, He commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. What's the point? In fact, why did both of them have to go down into the water? Okay, he baptized him. In fact, we've got a question um, for Q&A tonight about this very thing because in our baptistry, the person doing the baptizing doesn't go down into the water. And so that question actually came up. We'll talk, I won't cover that, but uh, uh, we'll do that tonight. Uh, any questions so far, comments so far before I go to the next one? Uh-huh. Um. Yes, if a person was baptized and they were not immersed, yes, to follow the New Testament pattern, baptism is immersion. And so they need to be completely immersed in water. Um, I have baptized before my accident when I could perform the baptism. Sometimes, uh, in fact, always when I would baptize people, I would tell them this. I would say, I want you to take one hand and grab the wrist and grab the other, grab your nose with the other hand, because when we take you back, you know what's going to happen? You're going to get a snootful. Sometimes people get water up their nose, so hold your nose. It gives me a handle, and then when I push them under, you know what frequently people do? They throw their foot out. It's just a typical thing, and so 
I will tell them, don't throw your foot out, and I'm going to push them under, and then I just scan them from head to toe to make sure that they're immersed. Sometimes people do it anyway, and I'll do it again. And so I baptize people uh, two and sometimes three times uh, because they panic. Some people panic when they get into the water like that, but I want to be sure that I'm doing this according to the New Testament pattern, and that is immersion. All right, here is the last one. If a person has serious doubts, over the years I have had people come up to me and they are torn up, worried about whether their baptism is legitimate. Maybe they, like I was, were baptized at a very young age and they have serious doubts. Sometimes it's because they were baptized uh, because of peer pressure. And sometimes people have said, you know, I don't really know. I think I kind of understood, but I, I know that peer pressure was one of my major factors. And so I, I, I just don't know. For whatever reason, they are walking around tormenting themselves with regard to their baptism. And again, I think the go-to passage is 1 John 5, 13. John said, these things I have written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. The Christian life ought to be one where you know that you are saved. You ought to be able to have peace in your heart. In fact, in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 4, John says, these things I have written unto you that you may know. He says, I want you to have peace. I want you to have confidence about your salvation. That's the point of the book of 1 John. If you don't have that, then there's a problem. If you don't have peace and confidence about your salvation, then you're going to live in misery. And that's not New Testament Christianity. And so I tell people this is an easy problem to remedy. And so I have baptized, I have probably rebaptized as many people over the years as I baptized over the years. And sometimes people have come to me and they have said, you know, I want to be baptized again, but I don't really want to have it announced per se. Uh, in fact, when I was rebaptized, we didn't announce it. I did it for my peace of mind. Was my first baptism legitimate? I, I, I think it was, but I just wasn't sure. So when I was rebaptized, we didn't announce it. I also wondered what people would think when we announced that their preacher was baptized, but it, uh, I thought that would be uh, a little bit uh, peculiar. But what it did was it gave me peace of mind. I looked at it this way. If my first baptism was legitimate, then the second time all I did was get wet and it didn't hurt anything. If the first baptism was not legitimate, then I have done something that was uh, a matter of salvation. And so it was very, very important. It wouldn't hurt, but it could be a matter of salvation. So what is a proper New Testament baptism? A person's heard the Word of God, they believe it, they've repented of their sins, they confess their faith in Christ, and they are completely immersed in water for the right reason and with the proper understanding. All right, sometime, I've got one more point and I'm going to run out of time, so before I get to that point, okay. I was going to say, does anyone have any questions? Maybe I'll cover this at the beginning of class next week. The question that always comes up is, Don, what about the people in Acts chapter 19 who were rebaptized? 
What about those people? How do you explain that situation? And uh, we'll talk about that uh, at the beginning of class next week. If you have any questions or you want to ask me uh, further about this uh, afterwards, uh, I'd be glad to talk to you about it. So, okay, thanks. Appreciate it. You're dismissed.